You don't need me to tell you how COVID has changed the working landscape for us as trainers. You might be working from home listening to this right now. You may have kids at home. Things are topsy-turvy. Um, you might be doing as much homework with your kids schooling as you are actually working on your own business. So we still need to work, but we also need to live. How do we achieve this elusive work-life balance? Because in a, in a sense, COVID has thrown us in the deep end in the last 13, 14 months as we struggle to work away from offices and away from people we normally have worked with. And we're kind of figuring out what next week looks like, let alone next year. And as self-employed trainers, consultants, facilitators, it's something we really need to get to grips with. Today's guest is Caroline Laycock. She lives in the UK and she's working as an associate freelance trainer for several training brands, but also has her own direct clients. And right now, it's important that we focus on this subject, particularly as we're about to begin a whole brand new training year. So today we're going to share with you tips on how to achieve a work-life balance as a self-employed trainer. This is episode 122 of the Training Business Podcast. Hey, and welcome to the trainingbusiness.com podcast. Every week we bring you exciting news and interviews with training business experts and training business entrepreneurs from around the world. Thanks for tuning into today's episode. Here's your host, Mark Garrett Hayes. Hi there, my name is Mark. I'm the host of the Training Business Podcast. This is the show for freelance trainers, for training business owners, training consultants just like you and me all around the world. And we have listeners listening to the show all around the world. We get comments every single week from people who love what we do and some people have critique, which is great because it's very helpful to know what doesn't work for you as much as what works for you. So please reach out, drop me an email, mark at trainingbusiness.com, which helps us to understand what kinds of content is helpful to you. It also helps me to understand what kind of guests to invite on the show to help you with your training business journey. And the goal of the show and every episode of the show is to help you to start to grow and to scale a profitable training business. As I said before the music, today's guest is Caroline Laycock. She's a self-employed trainer working in the UK. She's a busy mother and a business owner. Caroline has facilitated over a thousand workshops with a wide range of clients, everyone from the Bank of England to British Gas to Dyson, the vacuum cleaner and dryer maker, to De Beers, Shell, Sony, and many more. Caroline works, as I said, as an associate with other companies, but also has her own direct client list. And her website is getmorework.done. That's getmorework.done.com. And Caroline has been uh, delighted to be on the show today to share some of her tips on personal productivity and how you can create a work-life balance. Caroline, hi. Welcome to the show. Hi, Mark. Thank you. So I'm glad you accepted my invitation to come on the show today. And, and the reason we're talking is that um, we connected last year briefly, I think, in conjunction with some someone doing a PhD, if I recall, um, maybe it was something else. But we, we've been talking on and off, and uh, it's it's my pleasure to have you on the show. And you're a fellow trainer, which is exactly what this show is all about. It's It's talking to trainers, people who have real-world goals in the training business, challenges. And of course, one of the things that's quite topical right now is is the concept of, of work-life balance. But before we come to that, why don't we talk about how you got into the training business? You began as a graduate with Accenture, which is the multinational 
uh, consultancy company business brand, if you want. Why don't we go from there and just talk us through your thoughts at the time and and where that journey has taken you from since since leaving Accenture and where you are now. Yeah, sure. Thanks, Mark. Um, yeah, you know, I really loved my time at Accenture. I think it's a great place um, to work, especially as a graduate and onwards. I was there for about 10 years between Dublin and London offices. Um, and probably the link between working there and getting into freelance training is because as part of the change management group, I did a lot of work communicating change and assisting um, people with um, transitioning, usually to new systems, actually. Um, but the heart of that to me is explaining something that makes a difference so that can change behavior. Um, I left Accenture, you know, not because of the great work, but because of my own life. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I became a mom and then I I kind of, I suppose, one of those crossroads in life where you think, right, you know, how do I want my life to look now? And I did seek balance. Like balance is is very important to me. Um, I would absolutely trade the golden handcuffs for time any day of the week. So that's that's just me. Um, So when I sought work that was fulfilling and interesting. I definitely tapped into my background in communication and training and um, found myself in the freelance world. Um, I started first of all with Mind Gym. That was a great place to get experience and loads of exposure to lots of different clients delivering training and then have gone onwards since then and, and do some of my own stuff too. So Mind Gym, for people who've not heard of that brand before, is a multinational um, or global training brand, and they they work with associates, people like like you, Caroline. So you got the kind of feel for the core love of communication, uh, change management, which of course is something that many trainers get involved in at some point, because a lot of what training is, is, is transformation, isn't it? It's facilitating a company's uh, development through its people and helping people acquire skills to achieve new strategic goals or even existing strategic goals. But you currently also have... Uh, your own clients. You work both as an associate and also with your own clients directly. How is being an associate trainer, in other words, working with other people's training brands, helped you to achieve work-life balance? Yeah, um, I think it's been really useful to have a few associate relationships. I think one of the benefits as a freelancer is that they take, they do some of the heavy lifting, I suppose, when it comes to securing the clients, doing the business development and, and most of the content development, although I do some do some content development as well. Um, with all of that out of the way and essentially the meeting being set up and materials available, you know, I, I then I have the freedom to invest in my own prep time. And then, you know, based on the companies that I'm working with now as an associate, I do feel that I also have the freedom to bring my own style and um, in order to, to, to deliver a great session. So it does work because, as I say, I don't have to do everything and I get really to focus on the bits that I really like. Yeah, I guess that for some people it's it's an interesting equation and no one I've spoken to does or has always had direct clients. Uh, quite many of us as trainers begin working in the training business for the first time with other people's clients. It's a great way to start as an associate because you learn the ropes, you understand how training contracts are fulfilled, um, how things are priced, the components that go into them. Um, I guess you learn the business, but at some point you want direct clients. However, the flip side, of course, is having direct clients, you you spend more time, don't you, serving those clients, having more consultative conversations, designing programs, and sometimes often having a lot of conversations which aren't paid. 
right? Whereas as an associate, um, all of some, someone else does that for you. They effectively do the marketing, the business development. You go meet clients, you train those clients. Um, wh- what was your thinking about, you know, transitioning? I mean, were you tempted at any point to just do more direct stuff and, and less associate stuff? Or do you find that you found a medium, happy medium in terms of work-life balance now with that blend of direct and indirect? Yeah, it's a great question, Mark, and it's definitely something that I have um, experimented with over the about 10 years that I've been doing this. and what I find is working for me right now is definitely a, a bit of both. So I, what I, when I look at my own direct clients, I'm particular about the type of work that I do for them. So, for example, the subjects that I work on um, so that I can really, you know, even though I'm doing lots more for them. So I'm definitely doing the design and the briefing and the scoping and some kind of client relationship management as well, because doing it um, in subjects and topics that I'm particularly passionate about, then that doesn't really feel so much like work. Um, and of course, with that extra investment of time, you know, there's a better return on your time. So, you know, with associate work, of course, the organization is taking a cut of the fee. Um, whereas when you go direct, you know, you're getting the full fee, um, but of course, having to do a little bit more for it. Um, but at the moment, I'm probably um, 50-50 between associate and direct and, and that that's working for me right now. And, you know, and it can change and has changed over the years. And the thing that you train in, which is your brand, is getting more work done. So helping, I mean, you do it yourself as a mother, as someone who runs her own business, you have to be productive. You've got to find ways to strike that balance. So you have a three-step model, which you've come up with to help people to achieve a work-life life balance. Um, and I think three is a nice friendly number. If we give people a 15-step model, it tends not to work. But, you know, three is a nice friendly number. And it's a system, I guess, for sustainable productivity. What would you, how would you introduce this for people listening? Because we're going to go through this now with them shortly. Fantastic, Mark. And yeah, and I, I've, I've created this model, I suppose, first of all, selfishly in service of myself and get that balance and I've you know brought it to life and I'm really practical with it with my clients um so yeah the three-step model um to me three is a magic number and it certainly is something that we can um probably use and be more consistent with than something that's too long um and these three steps for me create a rhythm in our day uh, They start with what I call energize, and that just means making sure that we have the right physical and mental capacity to do whatever it is we need to do. And of course, in the the world we're living in right now, I think the mental capacity is is very stretched um, and work harder like to to get that balance. So, you know, in order to get anything done, um, we have a responsibility and and it's one of the, um, the investments of our time in order to make sure that we have the right energy. So a trainer, for example, working from home, listening to you and me talk about this now, uh, they may have the dog and the cat and, 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 and a spouse there and, or a partner, and they've got the kids perhaps working from home. How do you carve out time to, to get this mental focus, to, to energize? You might be knackered or tired, knackered as we say over here, but, you know, tired, pooped from, from all that's going on. How do you find, how do you get the energy to start that day when you know you've got lots of client work ahead of you? 
Absolutely. And of course, that every day is different too. So even today, like I've, I've been working this morning and I knew that if I was going to be starting work at, say, around 8.30, I wasn't going to have much time to get outdoors until maybe the afternoon. So I made sure that this morning I definitely just had a quick kind of walk around the block, literally 10, 15 minutes to get some fresh air just to start, you know, to, to kind of start with a clear head. And I know later today I'll get out for a proper walk. I'll bring the dog out and, you know, and I might just walk and even listen to a podcast, something that you've done maybe, Mark. But, you know, I'll get out and I'll I'll find another time. And do you schedule this time, Caroline? No, not at all. And I think that's part of the beauty here is, is a little bit of a it's kind of the internal clock that says, you know, how do I calibrate what my energy feels like and what do I need? What does my body need? Um, so I think definitely um, uh, there are some things that I would call non-negotiable. So sleep is a really big thing for me definitely got into the habit of going to sleep earlier and maybe getting up earlier. So I'm, I'm, I'm quite good now at uh, prioritising sleep. So that, you know, is kind of what I would call a non-negotiable. Uh, my kids are a little bit older now, so don't get interrupted. Well, that helps, so yeah. It's always possible, you know, it's a different time in life and that wasn't maybe what I have focused on. Um, but things like, like fresh air, I will say, God, you know, I do need to see the daylight at some point, so I'll make that a key thing. But then other things will come and go, like drinking water, hugely important to me. I used to be like a camel, hardly drank any water, but then I, I kind of shifted my habits. And so now I make sure I drink quite a lot of water in the morning and I really kind of pack it in early doors. Um, and then that keeps me going through the day. But I think it's a combination of um, focusing on, on, a, on either a habit or um, a practice that you decide, yeah, you know, I think this is going to serve me and then sticking with it until on something that, that you just do naturally um, and then just get a sense of, you know, where your energy is. Yeah, some people will say that um, for their day to be productive, to begin productively, they need to have a schedule in place. Um, and I'm thinking what's worked for me this this past three months, four months, in fact, I, be, I joined a local open water swimming club. I did a triathlon one time uh, about three years ago. So knowing that I can't let other people down. Now, it's hard because of COVID. We can't go meet people, or at least we shouldn't be meeting people, depending on where you are listening to this. But um, I find that having to be someplace where other people are, that kind of creates structure. So knowing that at 8.30, I have to be there in the water with these people, and we swim. We even swam, was it uh, uh, two days ago? Uh, and the water temperature was 1.5 degrees, which is a new record for the group um, swimming through ice. But yeah, it's it's madness, but some people think we're bonkers. But the thing is, whatever that thing is for you that, that energizes, it could be just the stimulation of a cold shower, it could be water, it could be, as Caroline says, a stretch, uh, walking the dog, walk around the block. If you've got um, a home bike or a Peloton or anything that you can use to just get the body physically going, so that kind of helps the mind to go. And I think often many of us wake up with maybe concerns, we haven't slept well, we haven't um, perhaps a clear head. You could go straight to coffee, but coffee often accentuates the problem because it, it's a diuretic. It, it tends to reduce the amount of water in the body. Um, some other people find that um, reading helps. So that's a great way to energize, I think, in the, begin the beginning of the day. Some people use Headspace uh, or the Cam app, which is available on your phones. Um, some people follow a routine like Hal Elrod, H-A-L-E-L-R-O-D. He's a book called The Miracle Morning all about how to, you know, start the day with six key things that get you energized. Some of, one of which I think is, is meditation or scribing, he calls it, which is journaling, another activity to kind of focus on the goals for the day ahead, visualize things. Some people like looking at pictures on Pinterest or, you know, 
that kind of thing. Um, a book I read two years ago, I'm still rereading called The 5am Club by Robin Sharma. Yes, uh, I know. Yeah, you know it, do you? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it, yeah, it's, I mean, some people say that's, that's far too early. Um, there is a, a group of people who say 4am is the natural time to wake up. I think that's nuts, personally. And then to take things to the extreme, there's a device you can buy called a Pavlock. Uh, it looks like a wristwatch. Have you heard of that too? Have indeed, yes. <laughs> Gives you an electric shock <laughs> at uh, a time you can set on the app. So, you know, energize, it could be juicing. You could be drinking uh, water, like you've said. Uh, some people like lemon juice and, and warm water sipping that. Do you do anything like yoga or anything other than that? I do. Like, I've got a Pilates every Monday night. Like, that's been for a number of years. Um, yoga in it. I run with a couple of friends um, a few times a week. Well, only one at the moment. But um, yeah, and it's it's kind of b- building that in as a habit over time. And I love what you're saying, Mark, because you're right. We could actually spend all our time listing the multitude of things that we could do to energize. And the beauty of this, every single one of us will do a different combination and great. And I think the invitation here is just to take some time to be more conscious of how you're feeling maybe after doing something or before or whatever. So then you can figure out, hey, what might my formula be? What might be my non-negotiables? So I create my own routine. And I think there's so many lovely sources of inspiration for that. And it's great to read about them and learn from others. And then just, you know, take take it one at a time and, and try them out and see, see what fits and what doesn't. Yeah, great point. There's no point taking everything you and I are saying, but you're right. It's it's to take some of it, try it out. And if it works for you, integrate it. If it doesn't, then replace it with something else. Okay, so having energized, having, you know, got the heart started and we've got some fresh air, we're mentally clear, we now want to prioritize. Hopefully at this point, we have some kind of plan in place. Some people plan on Sundays for the week ahead. Some people plan the night before. But having, let's just skip that part. We've prioritized. How do we then choose what to do? Because we know some things won't get done. How do we choose what to do? In which order? Yeah, so I, like, so we're still in the space of prioritizing. And, and to me, the big word here is decide. Um, how often do we actually take time to stop and make a decision about how we're going to use this really precious time, this precious energy that we've worked so hard to cultivate. We're kind of at the crossroads now, aren't we? And we're about to dive in and do. But hold on, before we do that, have a really stern look at what the options are and crucially decide. Um, So, you know, there are lots of great, um, I suppose, techniques for prioritizing. And interestingly, the word priority, I think it was, you know, in the before the 1900s, um, there was no plural of priority. <laughs> there was only the singular. It's only now in the way that we live and work, probably in the last years, that we have pluralized it because priority should really mean the most important thing. When there are a hundred things on the list, you know, we, we have to be careful in order to detect what is most important. How do you do that? I mean, let's just say, you know, I've, I've, you know, I've got a call to make. Um, I have a Netflix show to catch up on. Obviously not important, but it is in a way. Um, and I've got, let's say, some so- social time planned. What What's priority there? Yeah, it's a great one. And actually, I, I did hear a really nice piece of advice recently. If you think about the big priorities in our lives, which might be things like, for example, family, health, 
friends, work, um, sleep might be another one. So there could be some big priorities and say there's five or six in that list. Do you know what? If we get to maybe half of those every day, that's okay. So maybe just taking the pressure off on what's possible because we won't be able to fit everything in. Um, the other thing, if we're even thinking about, I suppose, our, our, I suppose our work or professionally what, what could be on a to-do list, uh, a phrase I like is only do what only you can do. And um, I think a friend of ours actually has has coined that phrase. Um, but I think it's a great signal and a question to ask. Say, you know what, hold on, what do my skills add the most value to? Um, or am I choosing tasks that actually maybe somebody else could do or I could automate or I find a, a fact I kind of outsource um, and be really honest with myself. Where are where do I add the most value? And is that where I'm spending most of my time? Yeah, and I think that's a great point that if we're not focused on things which bring in money, we're, we're actually costing ourselves money. So a guy called Rob Moore has a phrase, I think he calls it IGAs, income generating activities. What are the things that when I sp- spend time doing them, I can bill for them? If I'm not billing for them, then that, uh, doing that task is actually costing me money. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And he talks about four Ds, which I quite like. Um, do, delay, delegate, or delete. So do, if it's a priority, do it. Thinking of your list there that you're talking about, Caroline, if it's a priority to you. And of course, my priority is not the same as yours and and someone listening to this may have different priorities. That's okay. Priorities are personal. Um, But if you can do something and it's important to do it, then you do it. And hopefully that's something which generates happiness, which is kind of one payout, or and uh, income, which is revenue. So IGA, income generating activity. If it's not something which has to be done right now, we could leave it until it really needs to be done. Some people say delay things because sometimes they take care of themselves. Um, And then delegate, as you said, rightfully give it to someone else to do, particularly if it's something, as you rightfully pointed out, Caroline, which can be systemized, automated. and, And finally, I think if it's something which doesn't have to be done, it could be fun or is just a waste of time, delete it. You know, so those four Ds are nice. Do, delay, delegate, and delete. So if someone listening to this looks at their day in terms of a list of things to do, ideally or theoretically, everything falls into one of those four boxes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. And I think even like as a small business owner as we are, like I found over the years, um, automating my financial processes, for example, has saved me so much time. Whereas I may have, you know, in the in the early days have had a fairly rudimentary system, probably like spreadsheets and, you know, kind of Word document invoice templates. That's a pain, isn't it? Yeah. That's a pain. So, you know, then having invested a little bit of time in learning about an automated system, I use Zero, for example. There are yeah, many- me too. It's great. Yeah, it's really great. And, you know, once I've got it all set up, then it's literally you know, it's less than a minute to kind of to to run an invoice or to check something and, and things are, are are done much more efficiently. So yeah, it's looking for those types of um time sucks in our day or our week, saying, hold on, how can I do this more smartly? And it, to me personally, email's a great pain. It really is. I mean, um I know I shouldn't check my email every hour, but occasionally I'm just tempted to. And there are people who like Tim Ferris who says that um you know, maximum three times a day, batch your email, um, allow X amount of time and check your email, not first thing, but at some point in the morning, one in the afternoon, one time at close of business. How do you, how do you resist the temptation to get sucked into email? 
<laughs> yeah, like I definitely had to learn this the hard way. Like about five years ago, um, I think I had about like 30,000 emails in my inbox. And it was just, you know, this is one, one of my kind of motivations to change behavior. You know, it's a much different system now and and it is a system. So, you know, definitely two things, I suppose, when I come to process my emails, I'm actually processing with the four Ds. So I'm very quickly knowing what I have to do, delete, delegate and probably have very minimum folders. So it's either, you know, something I have to action, something I have to chase um, or something that is actioned. And then it gets categorized and just thrown into that abyss because I know it's done. Um, So definitely it's a system and yeah, not to be a slave to. So knowing that, you know, I could sit I could sit down now to a 300 email inbox and it could be it could be processed in less than 20 minutes because of that, you know, that system and and having somewhere to put it, because ultimately uh, an email that needs to be actioned needs to get onto the to do list. That's, you know, when we move into the next space of actually doing something about it. Yeah. Something else I think you'll be familiar with as well as a trainer is, is the Eisenhower matrix, which is that classic, you know, Stephen Covey model of what is it um, important I always get this mixed up. Important and urgent, urgent, um, not important, not important and urgent, and not urgent, not important, something like that. Uh, so ideally, we're, we're putting everything into one of those four boxes. Again, it's a very simple matrix. So the first box, briefly, would be things which. So I would say urgent, important. You do it now, and you do it. You know, so that it's urgent. It has to be done, and I have to do it. Um, important, but not yet urgent. I will diarize it. So something that I. I know I will need to do, but I'll do it later. Um, when it's urgent but not important, that implies it needs to be done, but it doesn't have to be me. So that's definitely something to be delegated. And then not urgent, not important, easy peasy, let's delete. delete. Right. So those four Ds we've talked about kind of overlay beautifully onto this Eisenhower matrix. And if you're a trainer and you've not yet heard of the, the Eisenhower matrix, look it up. There's a website called Eisenhower, E-I-S-E-N-H-O-W-E-R.me. And it explains the model, and it's something you can even use with your clients as as a free tool, particularly when helping people, managers, if you're training new managers, that's a great tool to help them to prioritize tasks and manage uh, manage their days. So to my mind, Caroline, the most important box is box number two, right? That's the um, not urgent, but important. Correct. Correct. And if we honor that and, and if we if we don't have, have too many fires to put out in the first box, which is urgent and important, need my attention now. So if we're good at kind of keeping things in check, then, yeah, that's where we get the quality time. And this is where we can be served really well with good skills in terms of how we focus in order to get things done. Yeah, excellent. And I think that that's the thing, because people have said to me when I've introduced them, this model or concept to them in a training session, they say, well, hang on a sec. Um, how do I know which of these boxes is the most important? So the theory being, as you've said, that um, if something's important, um, it's it's worth planning for, and therefore it's worth scheduling. So that would always be box two. But then people have said, well, how about things where my manager asks me to drop what I'm doing, or a, cl- a client calls, and all of a sudden this urgency changes. That's box one. I call this I call these things asteroids because you can't see them coming. But what you should have in place is some kind of protocol or let's call it an SOP, standard operating procedure, which if this thing arises, you have some kind of system to do it and then you get back into box two, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And of course, you know, no task is um, out of context. You know, you know, it's all part of an overall system. So yeah, like if, if the, the manager asks for something, then we, we, we kind of, you know, we respond to that. We say, well, that's no problem. I can say yes, this, but that means I have to say no to that, you know, so in the context 
the overall um, goal of the team, you know, what do you want me to do? I like that point you've made, which is that um, saying yes to something means we're saying no to something else and saying no to something means we're saying yes to something else. That's the kind of dichotomy. If we're to be really, uh, if we have to have, have a life work-life balance, I guess we have to, and, and I'm, not, I'm not the shining paragon of virtue here because I've made mistakes with this domestically where I've been focused on the laptop to the detriment of, of family things. And that's, uh, that's a thing you can't really get back, can you? Uh, so it sounds to me like for people who've been through COVID, as we all are right now, maybe for some of us, it's actually reestablishing what's really important. Absolutely. And if we do get a habit, and this is why prioritization is, is such a, a pillar of this actually it's easy to skip it but actually if we don't skip it and we adhere to it and give ourselves a check-in on a regular basis then we're more mindful of our priorities and maybe you know it's fine to make a mistake here and there but we won't repeat that mistake because we'll be checking in regularly yeah so prioritization i guess is, is the key thing it's 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 not for me or you to tell people listening what's important it's for them to decide but we have to prioritize, otherwise nothing really important gets done. So we, we come now to focus, which I guess is the execution phase. So we've energized, we've gotten ourselves ready for the day, we're clear on on having me time. It could be yoga, it could be meditation, it could be prayer, it could be stretching, it could be walking, it could be swimming, uh, even at 1.5 degrees water, it could be running, it could be anything you like. Um, that's giving you, it's like putting the oxygen mask on yourself first, I guess. And then we're prioritizing, this is what you do as a specialist, helping people to, you know, be productive and to prioritize what needs to be done, doing, delaying, delegating or deleting and, and putting things perhaps into batch, batch tasks where we get things done efficiently. Yeah, that's a good way to manage the to-do list, yeah. Yeah, and of course, and not overlooking the importance of, of, of things like sleep. Um, so we begin the day with physiological needs. We kind of end the day with physiological needs. So we're eating the right things to help us sleep and we're ensuring we we get and some people find this strange to believe that you actually need to prioritize your sleep it's not something we can take for granted right it's something that actually has to be planned <laughs> as crazy as it sounds yeah yeah your night's sleep actually starts at the beginning of the day so yeah oh, i like that yeah you know, based on, you know, the kind of what you do in the day will kind of um, inform the quality of your sleep later. Um, but yeah, you know, if we're at this final destination, which is, this is what we're actually getting stuff done now, we're focusing. I, when I talk about focus, I actually say focus like a fanatic. Uh, what that really means is is only do what you're actually doing and, and try not to be distracted, um, which is easier said than done. And especially in the way we're living and working right now with everybody at home, um, you know, it requires greater discipline or probably just some some good systems and communication between the groups. So what, what works for you in the sense that you've got a family, they're around you, um, you've got to get work done, you've got to get homework done as well. How do you, how do you focus um, between those things, juggling priorities? Yeah, so I think one of the great things that helps is being realistic about what is a valid focus period. Like with our brains here, we're all doing brain work, not manual labor in the work that we do. Um, so we need our brains to, to get things done. Um, the brain can't really focus effectively for any more than, to be honest, about 90 minutes. After that, the steam is coming out of the ears and we... <laughs> <laughs> a little bit of an outlet. Um, so proper focus time, like we can probably get something decent done in about 25, 30 minutes. And, you know, 
and if we do flex that focal focus muscle and that discipline muscle, then we can probably go up to 90 minutes. And again, there's so much like, you know, where I kind of learn about this is, is reading about best practice and experiments of people who are great at this. And, you know, if we're honest with ourselves and, and, and again, what the best practice shows is imagine if you got like three, say maybe two or three really solid, say even 90 minute focus slots in your day. That's only four and a half hours of work. But actually, you can get a huge amount done if you do it well. Um, but even if it wasn't, you know, three times 90 minutes, but, you know, it could be, you know, nine times 30 minutes, um, you're still, you know, accumulating progress bit by bit. Now, that also allows you, you know, time to put, you know, put your head up for air. <laughs> so there will be times in the day when really you don't want to be interrupted. So I think with a family or people you're working with, um, it's about communicating that. Now, in the office and kind of when we're working in the corporate world or when we were, you know, used to be, you know, able to do our jobs um, as, as we were, you know, I've definitely seen people, you know, putting their out of office on or, you know, switching off Slack. And essentially, a do not disturb signal was team um, and even teams um, sharing intentions with each other. Right. Let's have what they call a power hour. Let's not have any meetings between 11 and one or whatever it was. But there was a kind of an agreement or a shared understanding of when people were going to do undisturbed work and, and you know, for what reason. So being what we would call um, accessible, but not available. So not to be um, easily interrupted. Okay. Accessible, not available. Interesting. I'm saying to you, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm putting my head down for two hours because I need to get this report done. So I won't reply to emails in that time. And, you know, if you really need me, you know, the, the place... The place need to be burning down. So, but, you know, <laughs> and I, I'll be back. I'll be back at one o'clock. So that's fine. <laughs> so, you know, that I think that is very acceptable in the professional world. And again, you know, we get what we give. So if we set that boundary, um, it's it's more likely that people will respect that boundary. I think part of the issue is that people aren't um, assertive enough to say, actually, you know what, I actually do need a little bit of time. Um, so and then bring that into the home and with families. And again, I've seen lots of really great examples of mums and dads and, you know, families working together and, you know, giving each other a timetable for the day or giving, you know, a heads up. Say, you know, what, I've got a really important meeting at 11. Right. Well, my important ones are two. So, I, you know, I'll take care of the, you know, the interruptions at that time or I'll cover you. So kind of telling each other as partners. Um, I at the moment have a sign on my door <laughs> that says, it's like a do not disturb thing. You can get lots of fun ones on Amazon that, um, you know, say whatever you want them to say. Um, but just, you know, make a decision, um, be realistic and communicate. Hmm. Yeah. And, and thinking of, of what we began with, which is energize, it's recognizing that some of us are night people. Um, others are morning people. So I think that's part of it too, is, is looking at yourself, listening to this, ask yourself, are there clues which indicate I'm a morning person, in which case you might get your best, what I call detail-focused work done in the morning. Others, I'm not one of them, um, tend to be people who will get their best work done when everyone's in bed, um, because that's quiet time for them. Um, and they get to, you know, turn off the TV and, and get out the laptop, etc. Not very popular, perhaps, with your spouse or loved one. Um, but I guess with this current climate, we have to negotiate Everything's negotiable, um, but we've got to get stuff done. And you also mentioned the 25-minute slot, which I think is actually scientifically proven. Um, and you've heard of the Pomodoro technique, I guess. Absolutely, yeah. Very smart student in the 80s who did that. That's really good. So the, the concept, I think I think the story is it came from 
some some academic who ordered a, a timer online, and it just happened to be a tomato-shaped clock. Uh, that's the story. I'm not sure if that's true. And it's, it's the Pomodoro technique. Folklore, isn't it? The way I heard it was an Italian student in the 80s, and he was struggling to focus on his studies, and he was in his humble apartment, and he really struggling to kind of settle down and of course what's in a humble apartment kitchen but maybe a, a tomato kitchen timer <laughs> <laughs> something tacky <laughs> that's the folklore I heard and I think from that you know his Pomodoro technique was born and you know you're right like 25 minutes and you know as the brain science kind of has has discovered it's, it's, a, it's a lovely amount of time because you can just get deep enough into a task to actually make some progress it does take discipline and that's why I kind of refer to it like a muscle you know we do need to be kind to ourselves and be realistic. But if we could imagine, you know, the world's not going to stop turning because we didn't reply to an email within that 25 minutes. You know, we need to get over ourselves there. And, you know, imagine if we do that, we can actually make some progress. And this is where, you know, when I think about this model, we are going all the way around our circle again, because as soon as we finish like a power period of focus, we need to quickly re-energize. We need to quickly do a refresh of the brain, what I call like change the channel in your head, just you're not thinking about what you were thinking about so that when you go back into it, your your brain is refreshed and actually you've got more energy to to, to plow back in. And there are plenty, plenty of apps. I mean, I've got one on my iPhone here called the Tomato Timer. Um, it's pretty cool. It's free. And as soon as I switch it on, as I'm doing right now, it up, up comes with a work session one of four. And it says, what are you working on? You press the go button and a, a tomato shape comes up and it counts down to 25 minutes. You give yourself a break of five and you four, I think four periods of that. And then you take a longer break, something like that. Makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. And it's in those little, maybe in that little five minute break, you go, oh, I, you know, I, I need to make that phone call or I, I need oh, I need to just hang out the washing or whatever, you know, those are the kind of things that, that you can fit in, um, you know, just, you know, that, that's not work. But yeah, definitely it um, is being able to, um, yeah, just to, to have that little break. In and the power of focus, or the, the word focus, as I've said before on this podcast is, is um, follow one course until success or follow one challenge until success. The idea being that you to be really productive, um, I guess to have that balance, you've got to have, um, you know, complete mental focus or, or physical presence on that thing. If you're with family, you're with family. If you're on the laptop, you're on the laptop trying to do things. I mean, this idea of multitasking, I think it's complete. It's a myth. It is a myth. <laughs> we heard it here. It's a myth. <laughs> yeah. And there's a book I, I, I did a qualification called um, uh, Scrum Master or uh, it's Agile uh, Professional Scrum Master um, Project Management in 2015. And there's a book you might be interested listening to this called um, "The Art of Getting Things." Is it the getting the art of getting things done half in in, twi- in half the time was twice. I can't think of the title anyway. I'll, f- I'll figure it out and put it in the show notes to today's episode. But um, it's written by the co-founder or the co-inventor of this um, Scrum methodology, a guy called Jeff Sutherland, and it's a book all about how to really be strict about prioritizing things, doing things in what we call sprints. So, for example, listening to this, you might say, okay, I have my website to do. I will spend, um, I will focus on one sprint and that could be two weeks. And in that two week time frame, I will have these things done, like many projects. So when Carolina talking, Carolina and I are talking about this today, we're not saying to you, just focus on one day in isolation. Obviously, the, the, the days themselves uh, together stack up to a week and a week stacks up to a month. So you could look broadly, applying Caroline's model of energize, prioritize, focus to not just things on a daily basis, but also 
across a week, a month, and a quarter. Um, and and managing time in, in terms of days, but also sprints, longer blocks of time, many blocks of which uh, all add up to make an actual task. And you can change the, the terminology here. But ultimately, I think if, if, if we think of um, the old expression, look after the pennies, the pounds look after themselves, um, or if you're American listen, uh, listening to this, look after the cents and the dollars look after themselves. Um, if, if, we're, if we're daily in a productive on a daily basis, it stands to reason we'll be productive on an annual basis. And we're at the very beginning, of course, of 2021. The accumulation, the cumulative effect, isn't it, of everything that you do? Yeah, so it is. It's, it's, it's about being productive on a daily basis, having that balance. And of course, ultimately, the reason we're trainers is because we love to do what we do and, and we're privileged to train other people and develop other people. Um, how, how, how do you feel then about 2021? I'm curious because it's January as we're recording. How, what's your mindset around beginning this year as a self-employed trainer? Yeah. Um, do you know what, Mark? Definitely seeing the light at the end of the tunnel. Um, if we were to rewind maybe to nine months before when, you know, the, the rug was pulled from under all of us and, you know, just seeing how, you know, we've been able to pivot and respond to what, my, like for me, my work was mostly face to face and, you know, quickly that moved to virtual. So having been able to, to pivot and kind of rescue work and, and learn and develop um, skills in a new way. Actually, I'm feeling more resourceful about what's possible. Um, so feeling as we go into 21, not just kind of carrying the old skill set, but actually a skill set that has been augmented with more flexible ways. Um, you know, I think as well how, you know, what's happened in the world has brought people together. We understand each other more. So I think it's, um, I'm feeling good about being able to communicate and access um, people and understand people's needs. So, um, yeah, like excited to see what um, we can do together actually this year. Yeah, it's, it's, a, it's a thing. Prioritization, life balance is something we might as well get right now in January because it's going to have an effect on the rest of the year. And of course, um, it's a great time to develop these habits. I'm not a fan of New Year's resolutions, but if we can get uh, habits, as you've said, develop those habits, The Power of Habit, the book by Eckhart Tolle, is it Eckhart Tolle? Um, all about to ingrain ourselves in ourselves habits, which will set us up for success. Wonderful having you on the show today. Thank you so much, Caroline. Where can people find out more about you and your training? Fantastic. Yeah. So as I call myself, get more done at work. So that, that's my website, www.getmoredoneatwork.com. Um, I'm on LinkedIn. Thanks again, Caroline. Pleasure. My sincere thanks to Caroline for being my guest today on the show. And of course, thanks to you for your time and listening to this podcast. There are many fine podcasts out there. I know this because I listen to them too, but you've chosen to listen to this one. And for that, I'm grateful. Can I ask you please to click on subscribe because this helps to promote the show and of course, to help other people just like you and me with our training business journeys. You have some great ideas for guests and episodes and content. So please keep those coming. You can drop me a line directly. I will read your email and respond to you personally. My email address again is mark at trainingbusiness.com. Please subscribe to the podcast on your platform of choice, Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, and many, many more podcast platforms out there. You'll find an episode of the show and all previous episodes on a range of podcast platforms. Just look around and please click on subscribe. There's a fresh episode of the show next Thursday, next week. But until then, look after yourself and your loved ones. Keep on selling, keep on training. Catch you next time. Bye for now. 
once more for listening to this episode of the trainingbusiness.com podcast. Go to trainingbusiness.com and subscribe right now to be notified of great competitions, upcoming VIP episodes, and amazing special offers to help you succeed in your training business. See you next time.